0: Limits to negotiation. Exodus uh, is such an unbelievably wondrous mesechta and an enormously frustrating mesechta. Uh, and today is a, is a good example. On a daf like today, in the, 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 the last few dafing, these, these dafing, the whole mesechta really, the, every few lines constitutes a sugia of Gomorrah that affects the whole of Shas. And where, where you, there's just an unlimited amount of, of learning and information and wisdom on, on each sugya. So in a situation like the Matmonim, to find the precious gem, you're looking, you're looking in like a mountain of precious gems. Which one are you going, which one are you going to pick up? Uh, and and uh, today is just such a great example, because so, so I settle on one and a half lines of Gomorrah. That's what we'll focus on. On that one and a half lines of Gomorrah, there is a bottomless reservoir of Rishonim and Akharonim. It just doesn't end. And if I could, the frustrating part is if I could have a week now, full time, 24 hours a day, just a week on that one and a half lines of Gomorrah, then there would be a possibility of really getting, getting to it, of understanding it, of absorbing it. It's just layers and layers and layers of rishonim, layers and layers of acharunim. It's, uh, it, it, it's just amazing. And what we're dealing with here, so I've chosen one comment of Rabbeinu Tam, a comment on a comment of Rabbeinu Tam, which shows us how he sees the Torah, uh, how the Rishonim see the Torah and, and give us some insight into the Torah. And, and, and it, it affects an, an important understanding. One of the limitations of academics, for example, treating Jewish law as a system of law, which they do. And in, and in Israel, Mishpat Yivri is, a, is a, a, a subject at the universities. It's practiced. It's part of the legal system. Mishpativri, the law of the Torah. So even in business law, in commercial law, there's, there's the, the law of the Torah. But there's, a, there's an overlay to the, to the mishpat, to the laws of the, of the Torah, to the commercial laws of the Torah. There's an overlay which academics cannot address, which is the, the religious aspect of it. So there are two systems at play. There's a system of law, and a system of law is primarily negotiation and contract. That's what law is when we're talking about commercial law. What have people agreed? What exactly does it mean? What are the implications of the agreement? But when it comes to Torah, there's another whole overlay because in every agreement... There is a participation of the Rebbein The Torah participates in every agreement. People don't act autonomously. We don't have human autonomy. The, 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 the main, the, one of the most important points of difference between the Torah world and the secular world, the liberal secular world, not even the liberal secular world, is the understanding that we don't have autonomy. The, the whole of modern thinking is based on on autonomy. Is it the autonomy of the individual? Where does the state fit in? But it's all about autonomy. People, people can agree what they want. Uh, people can live their lives in any way they want, as long as they're not harming other people. But but it isn't so, because we have another whole overlay. We don't have autonomy. We're Avde Hashem. We, we, we service the Reboni and here we have, in, in these Sugiyas, we have a, a great example of where these two systems overlap. So we have a principle in the, in the Gemara, which is called, And we have it on Daphne and and Aleph at the bottom, we have it on Ahmed the Bayes. If two people make a deal and there are a whole lot of conditions to the deal, the conditions are part of the deal. You, you can't separate the deal into the deal and its conditions and say, I accept this, but I don't accept this. I agree to that, but I didn't agree to that. If I sell you a piece of property and I've got 25 pages of conditions to the sale, then those conditions are part of the sale. If the conditions aren't fulfilled, then the sale, the sale is not valid. On the other hand, we have a principle of Mashe mashekatuf batorat, naor batel. If those conditions oppose a principle of the Torah, then the condition is null and void. Now, those two obviously conflict with one another to to some degree. On the one hand, when people are making a deal, what's God going to do with it? What's the Torah going to do with it? Two people are making a deal. And on the other hand, yes, but if if the deal entails clauses that are against the Torah that's a problem. And it goes very far. Toastvists, we won't have a chance to learn in, but there's this most wonderful Toastvists on Daphne and another example of quite a modern Toastvists. As I've said in you in have we have in which uh, in which, which you can see they're more recent. They, they, they've got an element of modernity, although we're talking about 13th century. It's not, or 14th century, it's not that, that recent, but in terms of the development and evolution of the ballet Toysvahs, the Toysvahs and Ksuvahs have, have an edge of, of modernity to them. And this is a, a beautiful, beautiful, very important Toysvahs to learn from beginning to end. Um, and one of the things Toysvahs talks about is if, if, a, a, if a worker works for you, and he makes a condition, and you don't have to pay me. It's not that I'm doing the work voluntary. I'm doing the work as an employee, But you don't have to pay for it. That can be a matna mashikat of right, because the Torah says, you've got to pay a person for the work they do. You don't have the right, even though the Torah has given you the money, the Torah says, you as a worker are entitled to your wages and, and you, who are entitled to the wages, say, I forgo them, I don't need them. You can't do that. It's not so simple. There's uh, only particular ways in which that can be done, because you're now masha kosov the Toys even goes for damages. Somebody damages you. You can't say, I'm I, I, mochel. I'm, I'm, you can be mochel. You can say, you're, you're obligated to pay me the damages. You owe me $500, but... I'm I forego the $500. But you can't say, I forego my right to the $500. Because that right was given to you by the Torah, not by you. So that's a whole different dimension that is unique to Torah law. You don't have that in any other legal system. So in Algamora, we have. Um, uh, an issue based on the principle we've learned a few days back of She'er, Kesut, and ona the three things that a husband is obligated to provide for his wife. According to most, it's Midor and it comes from the poshokim Mishpatim, if a, the son of an owner of a slave girl who, is, who has married that slave girl takes another woman, he must never undermine his financial obligations, his, all his obligations to his first wife, which was his father's slave, slave girl. Sheirah uh, says Rashi is food, means clothing, and onata is physical intimacy. Those are things that those are part of the marriage. So al says, we have a bracer in the midst of a bigger complex issue. You know what? I'm happy to take care of you. You can even move into my home. You don't have to to, to worry about a a home. You'll have a home, but you can't eat anything in my house. You know, call Walt and get your own food delivered to, to the house. You pay for it, not my business. Don't touch anything in the refrigerator. Don't touch anything on the shelves. I'm not supplying you with masonot. And not only that, if you want clothes, use your own credit card, go to whatever shop you want, go and buy what you want. I'm not paying. And even that, and even on a, and don't think we're sharing a bedroom. But otherwise, we're married. Harezumukudeshit. kodeshet, says the Gomorrah, she is the Breiser, she is married. The marriage works. Betts now She can or she doesn't have to order from Walt, she can raid his refrigerator, she can buy clothing on his credit card, she can sleep in his room. It's the, the, the we just ignore the tonight, says Divre Rabbi Meh. I understand that he, he can't say we're married, but we'll have no intimacy. That's going against the Torah. The Torah says, you've got to. But the mandatory things, people can make their own conditions as far as mandatory issues are concerned. And if she agrees, if she says, that's fine, I would rather be married to you, have the status of being married to such an amazing man like you who deprives a, his wife of, of food and clothing, I would rather that than be on the street. And I agree. If she agrees, it's Kayim. That's a machlokus, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Meir, a famous machlokis in the Gemara. Toysvitz asks, in the midst of this long toysvitz, one of the things Toysvitz asks why is she married, according to Rabbi Meir? I understand that tonight doesn't work. <coughs> the condition doesn't work because it's against the Torah. He's made it very clear that if she requires if she requires food, clothing, and, and intimacy, this is no marriage. The deal's over. So how can you now say we force you to be married to her basically against your will? Because you said I will marry this woman on condition there are three conditions that I'm not responsible for A, B, and C. Now what lands up? We say no. You we ignore what you said, but you're still married. So I didn't want to be married. That's not the, that's not what when I said I read Mikudeshitli that was not my intention. We talked about intention yesterday. I think it was. The Ri and Ri says. The This is an amazing concept of read. Just listen to it. If we wouldn't learn the whole principle of conditional negotiation from Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruvain. When they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we'll, if, if we come and we follow you and we help you conquer the land, then we'll be entitled to the Golan territories and all that stuff. Part on the other side of the Jordan, and if we don't come with you, and then we'll we'll waive that right. But if we didn't have that parsha in the Torah, <speaking> in <Hebrew> if it weren't for the tznai b'nei Gad and Ruven, we wouldn't have worked out ourselves that you can make conditional deals. Which is very difficult. A lot of people ask on that. Well, you mean? surely that's obvious. A person can make whatever, whatever deal he wants. I can decide to sell you house A and not house B. So why can't I say sell? I'm selling you house A on condition that A, B, C, D. Why would I not have known the principle of conditions? So in the laws of, of marriage, it's easier to understand what Toshvah is saying. Because we could say in the laws of marriage, the Torah defines marriage as sharing rights and obligations. We talked about the fact that the Ketuvah is giving the woman a right in your guf, a right in your being. And and by accepting the, the, the ring under the chuppah, she is giving him rights in her. So marriage is the exchange of rights in one another and obligations towards one another. Which rights and obligations? So now to say, I'm marrying you, but without those, it's like saying, I'm marrying you, but I'm not marrying you. I'm marrying you on condition we're not married. That's absurd. So in marriage, I understand what Tosh is saying. But in normal commercial deals, why wouldn't I have been able to figure out? Why would I have thought, without the Pasha of Bnei Gad and Bnei why would I have thought that the condition doesn't work? And I think that one of the ways of understanding it is because you're making a sale. You're saying, I'm selling you my house. The moment you've said those words, you've made a commitment. Now you're pulling back and you're qualifying what you've just said. I wouldn't know that that's possible. Saying what you say is so powerful. Every word that comes out, it's like talking Loshon Hora and then saying, eh, but I didn't mean it. It's, you can't say that. You've talked it already. You've said it already. So if I say I'm selling you my house, but if you don't do this, that, and the other, I'm not selling it to you. Too late. You've already said I'm selling it to you. So it's the power of speech, the power of agreement, the power of commitment can't later be modified and limited. Except we know that from Tnaibana Gadavene Ruven, that it can. We see from them that we put it all together and we treat it as one statement, even though it's consecutive. I first say I'll sell you the house, and then I say, on condition that, but we put it all together as one statement. We learn that from Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruven. If we didn't have the Pasha in the Torah, we would hold people responsible for the act even without the conditions. So if that's the source of the of the of the kiddush, of the innovation of conditions, then we may only make conditions within the parameters of B'nai Gad and B'nai ruvein, and part of those parameters of you not making a condition against the Torah. Fine, that's that's the thesis. The tiny little Rabbeinu that I wanted to I well, wanted to tell you, and yes, I, in the quotes in the source sheet, I am missing out a few few words, but, but it's not much longer than it, it's only a few words I'm missing out. In your Gomorrahs, you'll see that in the Tosvis Yishonim on the side of the Gomorrah, Tosvis Yishonim is another extract of an older version of Tosvis where this was brought in, where Rabbeinu Tam answers Ri's question. Now, of course, Rabbeinu Tam was before Re. Ri. Ri was Rabbeinu Tam's nephew. So, but in Torah we do that. We, we talk about the question as if we as if re asked the question and Rabbeinu Tam answered. No, Rabbein Tam also had the question and he answered it differently. He says, the havi maflik When a person makes a t'nai against the Torah, it's absurd. That's what maflik bidvarim means. It's absurd. rakia. It's like saying, I'm selling you my house. On condition, you go and spend some time in and go and spend some time with God. If you go and spend some time up in the heavens, when you come down, you can have my house. So we say that's nonsense, that's absurd, you're joking, it's not, it's not serious. And it's interesting, and this is the important part of, of the Matmon in understanding Rabbeinu Tam, that Rabbeinu Tam equates the absurdity of saying something against natural law, something against the laws of physics to saying something against the laws of Torah. And in that, you see Rabbeinu Utan's whole worldview of what Torah is. Torah is not a legal system that works together with the normal system of contract and negotiation. Torah is a system of physics. It's a system of metaphysics. It's the way the world is wired. So to make a condition against which the world, the way the world is wired, that's an absurdity. I'm selling you a house on condition. You connect the positive and negative pieces of this wire and blow the place up. That's my condition. That's not a condition. That's absurdity. Absurdity gets deleted from the contract. It's not that absurdity that the whole contract is absurd. No, the contract's fine. The absurdity gets deleted. You ignore a person's absurdity. So you sometimes when a, a, a kid says to you, uh, it's always interesting, you can learn a lot of Torah from the way we deal with mm-hmm. children. If a child says something, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to school today on condition, when I get to school, I'll be in fairyland. We say, fine, good, go to school, enjoy the fairyland. It's, it's irrelevant. We don't say, but oh, well, that means you're not going to school today because there's no fairyland. We don't say that. We say, you go to school, worry about the fairyland. We ignore it. We ignore absurdities. By the way, it makes life a whole lot easier if you ignore absurdities. When you're reading the newspaper, ignore absurdities. You're online, ignore absurdities. You hear people's opinions about Torah and other matters, ignore absurdities. Just ignore them. They're irrelevant. They're as if if they weren't said. That's what Rabbi Inutam says. To be (laughs) Makdao or mashekatufba Torah is to make a condition against reality because Torah is reality. Torah is not a legal system. Torah is a system of reality which governs the, the, the whole world, and we as, as Jewish people have access to that system. We can study that system, we can learn that system, we can know that system, but that system exists whether we learn it or we don't, whether we know it or not. That's a system, a metaphysical system of reality which governs us, and we cannot make it's against that.